how to abound everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Chase Allen, how about praying for this service? Pray for Pastor Joe as he's out ministering in Cambridge too, if you would. Paul said he, he's learned how to be content in everything. He says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I fear that most of us in the church know how to abound, but we don't know how to be abased. And I believe God gives us some secret to con contentment as we go through trials in this life. Because uh, he said, guess what? They're going to happen. It's part of the promise. I know that uh, uh, that will not fly in a lot of churches. But the fact of the matter is, we're going to go through some stuff. And we've got to learn as we go through stuff to be content. Because if we're not content, most everyone around us knows it. Most everyone. Because we, we tell. Proverbs fifteen twenty three says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. So our contentment, how we go through things, uh, we tell people, do we not? We tell people. We let them know. And I fear that we've not learned to be content when we're abased. You can tell when things are going well with some people, and you can tell when they're going bad. Well, you know you have a real believer when you can't tell. When things when they will, when they will praise the name of the Lord in a, in even a bad time, as well as a good time, uh, turn to Psalm one hundred. Look at some what I call real keys for contentment, because there seems a lot of be be a lot of discontentment in the church. Verse one, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God, and it's he who has made us and not we ourselves. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. And bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's good. He's good to you. You're here. You're here. You're not in hell. God is good. If most of us could play a track back to our B.C. days, you say, are you kidding me? We serve a merciful God. We are here. We should enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. If our name is written in the book of life, we are alive and well and upright and taking nourishment and breathing his air. We need to be giving him thanks. He's the one that's putting the air in our lungs. He is. No matter what our day was like. I mean, have, have, you, had a, have you had a bad day? People say, I've had a bad day. Turn to Job 1. 
And let's see how your bad day lines up. Verse 1 says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless, upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Seven sons, three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of these. Sounds like the Bill Gates of them. Does it not? This is someone with a lot of money. And so it was, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This Job did regularly. Wow. He said, I'm going to make sure even my kids are right. I'm going to cover them. Upright man, he feared God. Verse 6, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him on the earth, a blameless man, an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and all that he has on his every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he'll surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided them, took them away, indeed they have killed the servants, with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. That's a lot of uh, stuff. That's a lot of goods. That's like if you had a great big car collection. We don't have donkeys now, but a car collection worth millions. Someone came took it all, and took everyone who was there with them. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, well, listen, while he was still speaking, this guy's not done finished telling him. Another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep, the servants, and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, verse 17, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating, drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. 
see, this ain't just a story. It's really happened. We read this like it's a fairy tale. This really happened. Suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young people and they're dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head. He fell to the ground. He worshipped. He worshipped. I Sometimes I think about that little white casket. But I think, oh my God, ten. All his children. Ten caskets. One day, same time. He falls down the ground and he worships. A lot of people have on their list of people in heaven they want to see. I have a list, but I want to tell you Job is at the top of that list. That man has something. All of his children, instantly. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave. And the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is contentment. (laughs) This is a man who is content with God. I, I was thinking of what keeps us away from church. How fickle we are we blame everyone for everything my mind I just can't even take it in I cannot imagine seeing 10 caskets lined up here all of your children in one day gone instantly he gets down on his knees and he worships God he worships I want to meet that man. I want to hug his neck. Wow. Wow. He has got something that is rare. Contentment. We're going to see this. Contentment will be determined by what comes out of our mouth. Oh, it will. Next time you say, I'm having a bad day, I want you to pick up the Word of God and I want you to read the first chapter of Job again and stack up your day right next to Job and tell me you've had a bad day. That's a bad day. Do you know anyone in life who's lost all their kids in one day? I don't know anyone. I I don't know anyone that's done that. I can't imagine meeting someone like that. And would just fall to his ground, fall to the ground and worship God. That the Lord gave, the Lord takes away. Oh, 
what comes out of our mouth is so powerful. It is. Turn to Ephesians 4. It will determine how content we are. Do you ever wonder what would happen if we did what God's Word said to do? I'm preaching it all of us. Can you imagine what would happen if we just all, when we came in those doors there, just entered those gates with thanksgiving? Can, I, I cannot imagine. I, I believe they would stand up in heaven and say, Come here, look. Look at this. I wonder what would happen in this place. I'll bet there would be things break out like we've never seen before. If we would just... It, you'd listen to the conversations. Ed and Brenda stand there at the door. Can, can you imagine coming and grumbling and complaining? And that's scary because you and I, each one of us individually, have the power inside of us to quench the moving of the Spirit of God in this place. If we show our discontentment, say, well, I don't know why. And you heard it this morning with Jason complaining. And I couldn't help but thinking while he was talking about those who were talking about the youth and that, and talking about restoration, and talking about the way things are going, talking about pastor. Oh, my gosh. And you read it in Psalm 1. There it talks about the scornful. They are always sitting. That's where you find scornful people. They are sitting. Uh, I remember when Marsha was uh, taking care of VBS and Sunday school, and that's the job Christy has. And she learned how to deal with people who did that right away because she, people would come up to her and say, you know what, I think we need to be doing this. And I think Marsha would say, that's a wonderful idea. How about you heading that up? People quit coming to her. Verse 29 says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Isn't it amazing? You and I have in our mouth this thing that can minister grace. Wow. Wow. Can you, I'm, can you imagine doing that in a marriage? Can you imagine how different marriages would be? Honey, you look nice today. It revolutionized things. It works. This works. Minister grace to your spouse. Minister to him. You look nice. What can I do for you today? I love it when it's this quiet. I'm not intimidated by it. You're just, you may as well be saying amen because you're just fueling me on because it's telling me what I'm saying is right. And it's, I, I ran into a guy, uh, well, when Marsh and I do our date thing, uh, if, if, we, if, if it's a shopping thing and it happens to be in Zanesville, I'm so nice that I take her to Hobby Lobby and drop her off and go a little bit down the road to Lowe's or Home Depot. And so that, that happened. 
But I went back to get her, and I, I, was, uh, I was in Hobby Lobby, and I, I ran into this guy uh, that, that had our sling on, Dan. I walked by him, I said, rotator cuff surgery, just, you're right, how'd you know? I said, been there, done that. And I talked to him for, oh, probably 10 minutes, and his wife come around, and I was telling him about how, uh, you know, he wanted to know how I could sleep in it, and I said, oh, I didn't. And he said, well, my wife says this, and I, I said, no, I can't do that, and I said, I'm going to help you out real quick here. And she was standing right there and said, they're usually right. <laughs> they're usually right. Just, just go along with it. It's, it. It'll save you a lot of heartache. I said, because to, to badmouth them and to fight against it is crazy. It's good for a man to recognize that. I'm not ashamed to say that. I am not ashamed to say it. I, I would... I would I'd love to be right every now and then. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so rare. It's like getting hit with lightning twice in the same hour, you know. It's all right. It's all right to admit it. It really is. It's all right to tell them. Oh, I love the silence. You bunch of chickens, you know darn well it's right. And rather, here's what we do as men. To show our manhood, we argue. And I feel so bad because I'm the only one that does this. And to show we're really right, you know what we do when we start arguing? <laughs> Someone's been there and done that. We get louder. Because our voices are louder than women's voices. It's easier just to say, you're right, honey. Listen, this is contentment. Admit it. It's okay. Listen, th this is part of the gospel. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But there's something in a man that does not like being corrected by his wife. You, by anyone, really, but by his wife. It, it just, I, I love God. I love God, I love my wife, but I'll tell you, it still goes against my crawl. You know why? Because I still have a carnal nature. It's not because she's wrong. It's because I have a carnal nature. It's called pride. It's abomination to God. Want to be content? Listen. Listen to the, the woman that God gave you. Man, I hope they're, are they taping this? Listen, you ain't going to have very many people ask for this one. Just the women. <laughs> hey, honey, I got something I want to play for you. <laughs> Turn to Matthew 10. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matthew 15, verse 10. <clears throat> I remember when Pastor and I would go visiting... If Marsh and I would have some sort of disagreement, he'd say, what's wrong? I said, oh, we, we had words and this and that. He said, brew. He said, you know what you got to do. You just might as well go home and say you're sorry. 
Get it over with. Don't prolong it. Verse 10, when he called the multitudes to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know what the Pharisees were offended? Did you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. These are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. Jesus said, Are you still also without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth, here's the problem. They come from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. He said, what is coming out of your mouth? And the real test is not what we are and who we are in here. The test is less than who we are at home is who we are. That's who we really are. Who we are when we think no one is watching is who we are. That's the real us. Who in the world can't do a praise the Lord, hallelujah, good to see you, brother. Well, if you've just called your wife everything in the book, I heard a guy say one time, said, me and my wife had words today, but I didn't get used to any of mine. <laughs> you know, we're, we have disagreements. You, you've got to work that stuff out. You just have to. But to treat your wife or your husband like a dog, to speak those, uh, those bad things, I'm telling you, if you are a man or a woman that does that shame on you, you, you are doing some things that are going to be hard to get over. Speak words of life. Speak words of life to your wife. Speak words of life to your husband. Compliment your wife. Compliment your husband. Oh, you want contentment. Who was it? Uh, one of the, the speakers said, happy wife, happy life. It is so true. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I can minister grace to my wife. I can do that. Listen, if you're a man out there and you say, well, I don't, I don't believe all that stuff's necessary. I want to tell you something. One day... If you're too cool to do that, one day some other man will. I've watched it. You are opening the floodgates of hell if you will not do that. Well, she knows how I feel. Yeah, that could be a problem. If you never tell her, she does. Listen, there's something that happens to a man when he compliments his wife. Or a wife when she compliments her husband. There's something that happens. It's hard to be mad at someone you're complimenting. And praying for. When was the last time you thanked God for your spouse? I've never met a couple that split up who thanked God for each other. Ever. 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 I'm an old man. I'm 60. I'm old. 
And I've never met a couple that split up who would compliment each other and thank God for each other, ever. Well, if you just knew them, well, I know you. You know, all of us, all of us got stuff, right? So in order for it to work, we got to do it God's way. If it's going to work. God says, I want you to be content in all things. Be content with your wife. Well, I'm not. I don't like the way you, I don't. Thank God for her. Start changing things in your marriage. Say, God, thank you. And I, I, I'll wait till a lot of times Marsha will just go to sleep and I'll take my hand and I'll just lay it on her head. She's, she goes to bed early. Or she gets up. At, I mean, bats are still flying around when she gets up. They are. Matter of fact, I, I think most of them are probably just starting when she gets up. You know, she gets up real early. And so I'll just take my hand and lay it on her forehead and while she's sleeping, say, Lord, I, I thank you for my godly wife. Thank you for a godly mother for my children. Thank you. She loves you. She loves me. Listen, when you start thanking God, it, it will do something in your marriage that you didn't think was possible. God can take years of junk and restore it in a short while. He'll give back to you the years, the canker worm, the palmer worm, the locust and the caterpillar have eaten. You just start thanking God for each other. Pray together. No matter how many years you've been married, it works. This wasn't going to be about marriage, but it's your turn into it. Listen, what comes out defiles a man. Our, our most intense arguments were about the most ridiculous things. I mean intense things. Intense. It was not a blue shirt. It was, and it had stripes. It did not. I, it, it can you think... Where in the world did this come from? And you know what will happen after almost 38 years of marriage? We've learned a thing or two. If you've been married any period of time at all, you fight about sex, money, or kids. Maybe not in that order, maybe. But every argument will come around to one of those three things. Sex, money, or kids. So when we start to have an argument, we'll say, oh, wait. We've already had this argument before. Remember, we know how this turns out. Because sometimes our arguments, and we, we don't have them often enough to be good at it. We don't. Neither of us are very good at it. And so when they come, we don't have these little things. We have one or two a year, and they are World War Eight, <laughs> And we'll just both have to ask each other, where did this start? How, how did this happen? And we realize, wait a minute, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This, the enemy has done this. When, when I first got saved, I would notice that would happen on the way home from church. I thought, what the heck's going on here? I'm trying to do right in here. I'm, I'm just going to quit going to church. Oh, wait a minute. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Oh, listen, our words will dictate our contentment. 
Because death and life are in the power of his tongue. I mean, you ask around and you can find, you can find people who can remember when they were three years old things people said to them. Now, they won't remember what they said to someone last week. And it isn't amazing, this memory thing. The things I would love to forget, I can't. And the things I want to remember, I don't. I have to write them down. I have to make lists. That's not a good sign, is it? We have to choose to do those things that bring contentment. We have to choose to. God lays it out for us how to do it. And I'm telling you, this is not the only thing, but this is a big thing. I'm telling you that what comes out of our mouths determines how much contentment we will have. And we will show people how much contentment we have by what comes out of our mouth. If you're married to the old lady, you should have chose someone younger. If, 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 you, if you call your wife the old lady, you need spank. Yes, you do. It's true. Even if she's old. You need, if you refer to her like that, listen, it is, it is very important. You minister grace to her. You call her your sweetheart. She's still my girlfriend. I, I, to, I told the boys that one time. We were having a discussion. I can't remember which one of them when they were still home. And they were uh, having a uh, rather heated discussion with Marsha. And I walked in on and I said, you're on dangerous ground. You are talking to my girlfriend and I'll drop you. That's my girlfriend. She's still my girlfriend. We're to love our wives as Christ loved the church, are we not? Isn't that what he commands us to do? Husbands, you love your wives as, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. If we're going to do that, we're going to treat them different. Look, if you've, if you've not had a good example... You now have the Spirit of God living inside of you. Say, no matter what your example was at home, say, God, you show me, you teach me, teach me by your Spirit, you teach me how to honor my wife, how to treasure her. He'll show you how to do it. Oh, this tongue thing is so powerful. T turn to 1 Timothy 2. Verse 1 says, Therefore, I exert, exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for, look at those next two words, <laughs> all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. I asked the Sunday school class one day, I said, now, this scripture came up, I said, really? I said, you, you know who that includes? And we don't even like to say it. I said, 
Now that tells me that we should be praying for President Obama. I said, how many of you do that? Joe Watts. Joe Watts was the only one. He said, I, I pray for him and his family every day. I said, thank you, you have just shamed me. And I am determined from this day forward, I will pray for President Obama and his family. And so I do. For Joe Biden and his family. You know why? Because the word of God says to do it. Said, you pray for him, you intercede for him. Said, I'm I want this to happen. We may lead a quiet and peaceable life. I want a quiet and peaceable life, but I'm not praying for him. Well, okay, you're smarter than God. God said, if you if you want contentment, pray for your president. <laughs> I don't like it any better than you. Don't look at me like that. God called me on the carpet. It was, blame Joe. He's the one that started it. We, listen, church, we need to be praying for our president and his family and the vice president, for the Senate and the House of Representatives, for judges. We need to be praying for them. You understand, it's on us. The heat is on us. If my people, which are called by my name, it's, it's us. We're waiting on the government to do something. God's waiting on us to pray. And as we pray, listen, it's life that comes out of our mouth, not death. Contentment will come. Pray. Oh, listen, I challenge you, try it. It was hard. I, I said, God, I'm praying for him. I'm telling you, I don't mean it. I, this, this, is not, this is not from a sincere heart, God. He said, I know, I see it. But I'll tell you what, after you start praying, you know what I found happened? God changed my heart toward him. God changed my heart toward him because of the confession of my mouth. I was no longer speaking death about him. Isn't it easier to do? God said, stop it. You're defiling the whole body. I've placed him, I placed him there. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. The powers that be are ordained of God. Therefore, whoever resists the power resists God. God's placed him in office here. No, those crazy Democrats, they voted him. God placed him in office, like it or not. And the mandate for us as believers, you want contentment? God says, you pray for him. I placed him there. But in our own mind, we're thinking, well, you know, he's a heathen, and he's doing this, he's doing that, and now he's doing this. And he, Listen, he's unsaved. What did you do when you were unsaved? What did you do? What do you expect him to do? He's not being led by the Spirit of God. But what would happen if every believer would bind spirits in his life and instead of complaining about him, would pray for him? Oh, we want contentment, though. 
but I want to tell you what he needs to do. It ain't happening. You can't have it both ways. You cannot. James 3. When was the last time you thanked God for him? And what's it tell us in Thessalonians and everything? I will for the giving of thanks be made for all men, for, for those who are in authority. Giving of thanks. And none of us thank God for Barack Obama and his family. But it's the, it's the White House is the problem. I'm telling you, the church is the problem. The church... We're messed up. We're so boogered up that we think we don't need to pray for him even though God says to pray for him. We want all the benefits of that's supposed to come with the word of God, but we don't want to do what God says to do. If, we do. if we do not stand in the gap for him, you tell me who will. You understand that one day, if he's not saved, he will spend eternity in a lake of fire. And if you're sitting there saying, well, he deserves it, you're messed up. I would not wish that on anyone. Because he's no different than what you and I were before we knew Christ. I guarantee he's not as bad as what I was. Guarantee you. I got some references downtown you could ask. Most of them's retired by now, but they would probably still remember yeah, no brag, just facts. James 3, verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing we will receive a stricter judgment. For we stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in words, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Wow. If you don't stumble in words, God says that tells a lot about you. When Charlie Browning passed away, uh, they asked me to, to speak. I just spoke for three or four minutes, but uh, I said the, one of the most impressive things about Charlie Browning was I've known him for probably 25 years and never once heard him ever say anything bad about anybody. Oh, my gosh, I'd give anything for someone to be able to say that about me, but it'd be a lie. He never said anything about it. Remember Dave Shores? Dave Shores had passed away. That's the greatest compliment I ever heard a wife ever give anyone. She didn't do it in front of everyone. She told me, she goes, I never once ever heard him say anything bad about anyone. That's a wife. Not a neighbor. A wife said that. Wow. That just made me love him all the more. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds. They're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles... You see those next few words? If you and I are talking trash, 
about someone, we are defiling the whole body. The whole body. And we wonder why there's discontentment in the house of God. Oh, I wonder what would happen if we spent as much time praying as we do complaining. Isn't it funny that if you have a fire, a fire needs some certain things to burn. Does it not? It's got to have fuel. What else does it have to have? It's got to have oxygen. So he says the tongue is a fire. Watch this. The fire goes out. Open it, the air comes in. And look what, look what the wildfires were doing in California because of the wind. Look, the tongue is a fire. Problem solved. Fire up. Leave Smokey alone. No need to call him. Shut your mouth. Let words of life come out. No corrupt communication. I don't know uh, if, if you guys are going to just put on music or if you're coming up here, whatever you're going to do, you can, you can do. You're just going to put on music back there, that's fine. I want you to look at one more scripture. It's found in Proverbs 16. If you heard nothing else I've said tonight, you hear this. You pray for the president and his family. You pray for the vice president and his family. You and I have been called to do it. We've been called. It's a mandate by God. We love to talk about all the people and all, everything, all the sins they're getting into. But I'm telling you, if you and I are not praying for the president, we are sinning. That, that was your cue for amen. Because we've been ordered by God to do it. I, first of all, supplications, giving of thanks, be made for all men, for those who are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life. That's a mandate by God. And we wonder why everything is crazy as it is. Listen, I'm not pointing at you. I'm, on your, I'm with you on this list. It's much easier to complain. But I'm telling you, it doesn't make you feel better. It does not. Because what we do when we do that is we speak death. You understand that's It's death or life that comes out of us. Death or life. One of them's coming out of us as we talk. He said, I don't want any corrupt communication coming out of your mouth. No more. Quit it in your marriage. Start speaking life to your marriage. Speak life to your children. Speak life to your grandchildren. It'd be a good thing because if I ever see anyone else speak anything but life to my grandchildren, you'll visit me in prison. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, if you're a grandparent, we, we we took crazy pills. There's something that happened to us when we started having grandkids. We we lost all our sense of reasoning. Now, there everyone should be amen. And the guy have grandkids. 
you know it's true. And God help the person that ever messed with a grandmother. Yeah, you better amen to that. You you think a grandpa's crazy. You ain't seen nothing till you get the mama hand stirred up. Whew. You you just might as well find a hornet's nest and pitch a tent there rather than mess with a grandmother. You know how I know that. Proverbs 16, verse 24 says, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. But look at the next part. Sweetness to the soul, health to the bones. Health to the bones. You show me a complainer, and I'll show you one, someone who is susceptible to sickness. I'll show you someone who is given to depression. You show me that person that won't speak pleasant words, and I'll show you a miserable person. The joy of the Lord is our strength. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the health. Health. I'm, if I speak life to Carol, I'm speaking life to me. It's health to me. Death and life. When I speak it, I'm not only speaking it to her, but to me. Can it be this simple? That's your cue to do that. Yes, it can be. It is that simple. Yeah, well, I, I will. I'm telling you, yeah, you better. Because guess what? Someone prayed for you. That's how you got here. You've not always been the sweet little gem you are today. Yes, it is true. Remember? All I got to do, some of you I knew before you saved, so I don't even have to ask. If you knew me before I was saved, you won't have to ask. Right? It's the truth. That's what we are when we don't have Christ as Lord and Savior. He does not. Vice President does not. How else do we expect them to act? They need us to pray for them. They need us. I'm so thankful that God put people around me that prayed for me. I cussed around them. They were so nice to me, I cussed at them, thinking they would stop, and they wouldn't. The nerve. We need to pray, church. We need to pray. If God is dealing with you about what is coming out of your mouth, and you see that you're lacking contentment, you're lacking joy, the best thing to do is just come up to this altar and say, Guilty as charged. I'm sorry, Father. You created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. You give me the joy of the Lord back. I want joy. Let the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I don't want any more to defile myself or you. I'm defiling you if I'm defiling me because you're the body. We're all part of the body. We need to quit defiling each other. We need it to happen by the Spirit of God. It is a supernatural thing for a person to speak words of life. It's supernatural because 
naturally we don't want to do it. A, a child, just watch a child if, you, if there's any doubt. A child does not have to be told, now look, if you don't get your way, I want you to throw a fit. It's, it's the fallen nature. The only difference between us and that child is years. We still have the same fallen nature. When we don't get our way, we want to complain and express our discontentment. And God wants us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and to stand in the gap for those who are lost, who are in authority over us. The words of our mouth are so powerful. So powerful. Go ahead. The altar's open, church.